0: Welcome in Baylor fans, to another very exciting episode of Please Bear With Me. I'm your host, as always, Travis Corley, and what a freaking game on Saturday. Wow. I mean, we knew it was gonna be competitive. We knew it was gonna be tough. And I'm so happy I was wrong. It turns out that Baylor was the team with the one extra explosive play that tipped us over the edge and now your Baylor Bears are ranked 21st in the country. I don't read into a lot about that, but hey, we are ranked. Heading into a ranked matchup with Oklahoma State. Philip Slavin is going to join us from the 1012 Podcast Network and talk Oklahoma State. So let's get into it. Please bear with me. Welcome in Baylor fans again to please bear with me before we bring Philip Slavin on from the 1012 podcast network. We're going to talk Iowa state. We're going to talk that awesome, exciting game that happened in Waco. And if you were on the fence about Gary Bohan and Dave Miranda, you know, this team, whatever, if you were on the fence about anything, it's time to jump over the fence and join the rest of us. The grass is very green, there's flowers growing, there's a nice pool, there's some umbrellas that that Iowa State was nice enough to give to us, um, so it, it's nice over here on this side of the fence. And this Baylor team is for real. We are for real. I tweeted this out before the game. We were going to find out if we were real prior to this game. Well, boy, did we find out. We just beat a college football playoff team. And I say that because did I think that they would make the college football playoff? No. But there are experts, people who get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do college football analysis as their full-time position. Who picked Iowa State to be in the playoff? So by their estimation, we just beat a college football playoff team. At least a college football playoff caliber type team. And I've already seen people say, "It's Monday. I record on Mondays most of the time." I've already seen people say, "This Iowa State team just isn't the same." Or, "What's wrong with Iowa State?" Or, "They just didn't play well." Or, you know, "This Iowa State team is bad." It's it's some sort of combination of these things, and it's wrong. I disagree. Iowa State, a college football playoff caliber team, returned 88% production, one of the top returning productions in the nation. That includes NFL draft picks at running back, at tight end, multiple defensive positions. They are not bad. And
1: I don't think they played bad either. If you want to say Iowa
0: State played bad, Baylor played worse. And that's the point I'm trying to get get across here is this was not Iowa State that you know people will say, "Well, was this bad Iowa State or was this good Baylor? It was neither. I'm going to argue right now this was bad Baylor, and why bad Baylor? Well, let's start with the stats, okay. Iowa State beat us in almost every single statistical category, okay, first downs. 27 to 15. Third down conversions, they were 5 of 14. We were 4 of 11. That's like the same percentage, essentially. So we, okay, we tied there. Fourth down conversions, they converted 3 to our 2. Total yards, 479 Iowa State, 282 for us. 263 passing for them, 164 for us. Rushing, 216 Iowa State to our 118. So they averaged 5.4 yards per rush to our 3.6. Yeah, by the end of the game, 3.6 yards per rush for us. Not great. Penalties. Iowa State only had three penalties for 25 yards. Baylor, When we'll get to these penalties later. Baylor, nine for 100 yards. We gave Iowa State 100 yards of free offense. And then turnovers. We tied here too, both had one, but I'm giving them, them the leg up here because we fumbled multiple times, more more than Iowa State. And then possession, they had the ball for 35 minutes. Jeez, they had 35 minutes, they had the ball. So, you know, you want to say this was bad Iowa State, yet they beat us in almost every single statistical category. I'm not buying it. This was bad Baylor. Okay, 213 of our 284 total yards came on our first three drives of the game. That means our last seven drives, we went 71 yards and a field goal, which was set up by a punt return.
1: So stats wise, yeah, this was bad Baylor.
0: Why else was it bad, Baylor? Two things we struggled with. Reared their ugly, ugly heads this weekend. Penalties and ball security. First with penalties, nine for 100 yards. I mean, we can't just give, we can't give any team 100 free yards, much less Iowa State. And most most of those penalties, I will say were from the defense, okay? Most of the ones that we are all gonna think about in the back of our head were those defense ones. So let's talk about those. The multiple personal fouls, You know, namely face masks. There was a roughing the passer on a second and twelve, so that's never good. And then, you know, I'll I'll mention the offsides on the onside kick where we had to go win the game twice. And so our our penalties gave them at least six points. Okay, so if I'm being on the low end, we at least gave them six points. And if we clean that up at at least in the first half, it's probably not twenty one to thirteen at half, and we're looking more like. 24 to 10, or even 28 to 7, you know, something like that. Definitely not 20, 21 to 13, like it was. And most of these penalties, they come down to fundamentals to me fundamentals, man. Like those face mask penalties, we're just tackling too high. And, and we came in unfundamental. We're not breaking the guy down. We're not chopping our feet. And I, I think that's what's forcing these face, max, face mask penalties. In offsides, yeah, that's like one of the first fundamentals you'll ever learn. Line up on the right side. So look, we can clean those up. I'm, I'm hopeful we can clean them up. That's been a problem through four games. Um, but I think we will. It's fundamentals, and and if there's anything that I'm confident about, it's that our defensive staff can teach defensive fundamentals. Okay, so we can we can clean that up for sure. And now ball security, ugh. Another thing that we have struggled with, we have struggled with. So how many times did we fumble? You know, officially we only lost one fumble, but how many times did we fumble? At least three. At least three. You know that first drive, Sneed fumbles, and thankfully Thornton didn't give up on the play. It was lucky that he was there to pick it up. But then Bohannon fumbles first drive of the second half. Just a killer, killer momentum. You know Iowa State had had the momentum going into half after that field goal, and then we had a chance to come out with the ball and and squash that momentum, but we let them gain and and add on to that momentum. And luckily, we're we're able to force a punt right after that that fumble, and then later in the game, Gary is sacked and fumbles, which would have put them in the red zone. So hey, those that if that one doesn't go our way, we we probably lose the game. We' probably lose the game, so you know back to this point that I'm trying to
1: make, if you think that it was Iowa state
0: bad i I disagree i you know i i I can agree that maybe they didn't play well sure if if we want to both agree on that, Baylor played worse, okay Baylor played worse, we played bad, and we still won Baylor's our, our second half I mean numerous penalties. One turnover, which could have been more. We scored no offensive touchdowns. And look, guys, we still beat the number 14 team in the country. We can play better. We can play a lot better. And I was so encouraged. We, we showed. We really showed our full potential in all three phases of the game. And now the next step, we just need to be consistent and put that together for 60 minutes. That is the next step. Our ceiling is so high, it is so high, and I'm so excited about this team. Let's get into specifics here offensively and talk about Gary Bohannon. Uh, He's the best quarterback in the Big 12. Okay, I am ready to say he's the best quarterback in the Big 12 right now, and he just continues to get. Better. His poise and his pocket, pocket presence was the best it's been. Okay, I thought he was better in the pocket against Iowa State. It was the first time that we've actually seen him get pressured, and I thought he handled it pretty dang well. I mean, as, at least in the first half, he escaped multiple rushes, he extended multiple plays, he showed his arm strength <laughs> again on multiple plays to extend the play. I'm thinking about that screen. Um, to Drew Estrada I, I don't know how he escaped and he got that off because Iowa State perfectly read that screenplay and Bohannon somehow extended it and and was able to find Estrada and we got I think three or four yards close to a first down and his best pass I mean he continues to give us his best throws of the year that fade away touchdown pass pass to Taequann Thornton was unbelievable I thought that was his best throw of the year So Gary was 14 to 19, 164 yards and two touchdowns. Hey, if that's all we need out of Bohannon to win, I am fine with it. I don't need to see his stat line be ridiculous because what I like is 73.7% completion and a 78.8 QBR. Okay, those are good numbers. Those are the numbers we want to see high. He also had ten rushes for thirty-six yards and a touchdown. The twenty-seven-yard rush he had was our longest of the game, and I think the staff made it a point that they wanted to run Bohannon more. And I don't think you know he did extend plays, okay? But I don't think that's the full story of why he had ten rushes. I think we we had a few more designed runs in there for for Bohannon for sure. He ended up being our second leading rusher and just continues to improve, guys. His escapability. Another thing that he hasn't really shown this year that, that he showed us this weekend. And, man, I'm just impressed with his ability to, to keep his eyes downfield as well. Um, Gary Bohannon, right now, I'm comfortable saying he, he looks like the best quarterback in the Big 12. Offensive line. This was a big question coming in when Shahan came on last week. We talked about, can Baylor show that they can run against good teams? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Not in the second half, okay? But in the first half, we showed we can definitely run against good teams, okay? This Iowa State defensive line and front seven is going to be the best we face in the Big 12. It's it's one of the best in the nation, okay? So I thought it was the best offensive, lineman, offensive line performance of the year, and David Smoke tweeted this out. Cameron Cawfold. A former Baylor offensive line texted David and said, quote, that's best offensive line series he has seen in four plus years. And he's talking about our our first two drives there in the first half. The best offensive line series he's has seen in four plus years. That gives me a lot of confidence that there that a former offensive lineman is coming out and out of the woodwork and saying things. So hey, Mateos Grimes, keep doing what you're doing. I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing. In the first half, only 67 yards rushing for us. But look, we only carried the ball 13 times, and it was a 5.2 yards per carry average. And I'll take that all day. You're going to tell me we're going to average five yards every time we run the ball? Absolutely. Like, let's take that to the bank. Second half, you know, I thought we got a little bit too tired. And also, I think just the elite nature of that Iowa State defensive line, it just started to show up. Okay, you know, 55, Peterson for them. We all talked about McDonald before the game, and he did have a good game. But man, Peterson. Peterson came out of nowhere. I think he had a great, great second half. I mean, our offensive guards couldn't push him back. And so I'm hoping, you know, we did shuffle Keith in there in the second half. I want to see more Keith. I want to see more Mazzucca. Um, And even if it's not in the second half, maybe let's throw these guys in the first half so we can save the legs for the guys we do want in in the fourth quarter. So look, I th- I think we're seven deep. Let's use them. Let's use them. Okay. So very encouraged with the offensive line as we, I think all have been each game um, best performance of the year. And that should give us a lot of hope because we're not going to be, uh, we're not going to be facing a front seven, quite like the Iowa state front seven and running backs. You know, nobody in our running back uh, stable had too crazy of a game. Uh Smith led us in rushing 10, 10 carries for 47 yards for a 4.7 average. Not bad at all, not bad at all. Um Ebner, 8 for 31, uh 3.9 average. So no one jumped off the page uh rushing. I would say if anything, Bohannon uh jumped off the page rushing. Uh we did get some more carries for Squirrel. He got in before McWilliams Williams this week. So that tells me Squirrel's getting healthier. The staff realizes his potential and his talent. And they're trying to find ways to get him the ball. I think we've got some specific plays that we run specifically for Squirrel. I think we saw that. I think we'll continue to see that. Wide receiver, you know, I thought a solid showing from our receivers. Thornton, three catches for 44 yards. That great touchdown catch from Bohannon. It looked like his right foot was going to come down first. And, uh, you know, the way the defender hit him, he was able to get that left foot down first. That was, that was a fantastic touchdown, uh, catch by Thornton there. And then also not giving up on that Sneed fumble. Um, just really glad that he, <laughs> he was there, you know, cause the game, I mean, totally different trajectory of a game. If, if Iowa state recovers that fumble and then Sneed four for 57 yards, he led the team, uh, ball security, ball security for Sneed. Uh, We need to see that next week. And then Sims at tight end, I mean, he just continues to improve and continues to show us his talent. A great route. Uh, We were running a little levels concept. Um, We've run it multiple times this year where he's just going to run like a 10 yard out. Uh, But this time he fakes the out and goes up. The defender bites. I mean, what a great play call. And thinking about Grimes, he was setting this up through the first three games for Iowa State so that just makes me think what else is he setting up for you know Oklahoma or Texas or whoever it might be I think uh man I'm just excited about about Grimes and what he's doing with this offense and overall like like I said look we showed we can run the ball against good teams I think that continues we're not going to face another team defensively like Iowa State unless crazy things happen, uh, near the end of the year. And we, we end up playing him se- a second time. I'm not, not even going to get into that though. Um, offensive line got tired, maybe just need to cycle in some players earlier, you know, whatever that, that may be. Um, and look, if you're not excited about Gary behind, I don't know what to tell you, like this guy's legit all around legit. Um, there's not a part of his game. I'm not impressed with, and can he get better? Yes, absolutely. But just, man, So impressed with everything I'm seeing from the quarterback position. And now defensively, let's start with negatives on the defensive side. I don't usually like to start with negatives, but here we go. Negatives were the penalties, guys. The penalties is what hurt us most on defense. Just got to have some better fundamentals going into the tackle and breaking down a little bit sooner. And also with tackling, we need to finish Tackles, finish tackles, and even Coach Aranda mentioned that in his press conference this afternoon. We have to finish tackles. I mean, how many times do you remember Hall getting hit once, bouncing off, and then just continues to run? I mean, it it happened a lot, and I mean, it happened on the very first drive of the game. It was fourth and two, and he bounced off of us and and got the first down. So, you know, I, I felt like we were there. We were right there at the line of scrimmage to make the play on him more often than we weren't. But we just, man, we just weren't able to bring him down. And Brees Hall, 27 carries, 190 yards, two touchdowns, had five catches for 51 yards and a touchdown. Um, man, he just really showed us why he's one of the best, if not the best, running back in the nation. I mean, I'm I'm really glad that we're only going to have to play this guy once, and then we already did play him. Because this man, Brees Hall is, is legit. And so that is going to be a good taste of what's to come from um, guys like Letty Brown, Bijan Robinson, and and the like. Bernard, man, T- Terrell Bernard, um, look like it was maybe a season-ending meniscus, as um, something that I saw on Twitter and what the team feared it might be. But they scoped his knee. We got actually, have some, it, it is a negative of the game that he got hurt, but some positive news here: scoped the knee. Um, Coach Miranda says likely back against West Virginia, which is wild, wild that, Hey, there's my dog bear. Um, but wild that he'll only likely be out one game, maybe two weeks. Um, doubtful, very small chance. He'll be ready next week against Oklahoma state. Um, but likely going to be West Virginia. That's the hope. Um, that's fantastic news. I mean, fantastic news. Okay. Positives. Positives on the defensive side, guys, we got some new faces in there that are making some plays, okay, making some freaking plays and Matt Jones I've already talked about, and he's not a new face, but he did move into the middle with Bernard out, and I thought he did well um but he he he's got a little bit of ways to go finishing tackles and breaking down on the tackle garmin Randolph number fifty five exploded exploded onto the seam this week. He was co-Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week, six six tackles, was tied third on the team there, one tackle for loss, had the one interception in a very, very key moment of the game. Guys, get very excited about Garmin Randolph. He is 6'7", 265. Yeah, 6'7", 265 linebacker, sophomore from Georgia. He's one of our best pass rushers. I want to see this guy on the field way more because it was so exciting to watch him play. And then Al Walcott, Walcott, number 13 at at cornerback. He played over Barnes, mainly for run support. And boy, did he give us some run support. I thought he also exploded in this game. Six tackles was tied with Randolph. He had one tackle for loss. And really, just, just go back and watch this game. I felt like Walcott was... Was in a lot of plays. Super impressed with his game. He's 6'2", 211, junior, from North Carolina. So that's just great, great size at cornerback. And that's the size you want in the Big 12 at cornerback. Uh, Ashton Logan, Will Williams, they're going to have to step up to in Bernard's absence. And guys, our defense, they they just made plays when they needed it, okay? The penalties were negative for sure, but the positive spin is that we we never hung our heads and we just kept fighting. We kept fighting and easily, easily could could have given up touchdowns on those drives in the first half where we had face mask and, you know, roughing the passer, whatever it was. But look, we came out there. We didn't hold our, hang our heads down. We held them to two field goals, which was a huge win, an absolute huge win. And Apu, Apu, we've been Apu we need you to make some plays. I thought he had his best game. He can still get a lot better, but I finally just saw some push from him and saw some promise we hadn't seen. He was the man that tipped the ball, that helped Randolph get that interception. So, I mean, that was the biggest defensive play of the game other than that two-point conversion stop. So, Apu, good to see him in there making plays. I think he's... uh, it hasn't gotten a sack or a tackle for loss yet, but I am hoping that is coming against Oklahoma State. I I think he will. And, you know, look, last thing we needed here was Bernard to get hurt again. But we've heard it's it's good news there. Hopefully he's going to be back this season. Um, but hey, we had some young, some young guys step up, show some promise. So the cupboard is uh, it's full. It's full. And the last thing on defense Shahan and I, we also talked about how Baylor's pass rush has been lacking all year, and this was by far the best game pressuring the quarterback and getting a push from that defensive line on run plays. I feel a lot more confident where we are as a pass rushing unit after this game. You know, Gabe Hall, TJ Franklin had great games. Um, I think they combined for one and a half sacks of our two, and they don't even start. So, you know, I said we'd be six to seven guys deep on that defensive line, and it showed this weekend, for sure showed this weekend. So very encouraged by our pass rush there. I think also what what played into that, we were pretty vanilla on defense through these first three games um, as to not tip our hand on what our passing uh, passing packages would be, pass rush packages would be. And so I think that's playing into here two i think we're doing some things that the offense wasn't ready to see our havoc rate of our front seven was 20% okay so that's most of any game other than the texas southern I, I you know throw that out as as a defensive rating uh but our havoc rate was about 20% that's 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 really good um maybe not really good but it's better it's much better um so great great called game by robertson and company and look i could not finish out this recap without talking about special teams because if there's one thing that you can point to as to why we won this game it's 100 special teams and it's not even close okay so in the rule era this was one of my favorite stats that I did that I went through and I found out in the rule era we averaged one game changing special teams play every other week Okay, so what is a game-changing special teams play? It's simply a, a touchdown return or a blocked field goal or punt. That's all it is, okay? So this game we had two, and we were very close to having three. We had the Walcott-tipped punt, and we had the Ebner return. Because On that Walcott-tipped punt, I for sure thought that the, the punter had just shanked it. But obviously, checking Twitter, thanks Twitter fam. We find out Walcott had tipped it, okay? And so that started a drive off uh, for us near midfield. We scored a touchdown off that drive. So a huge, huge play by Walcott. Another one of those young guys that is is making plays for us. Ebner. God, Tress and Ebner. Why? Why? As a opposing coach, the other team has the defending special teams player of the year in the Big 12. And you decide that you are going to kick to him multiple times. I do not understand as an opposing coach why you would do that. But Matt Campbell, thank you. Thank you. Ebner, two punt returns for 47 yards. 41 was his long one. That set us up in the end zone. That, Not in the end zone. That set, up, set us up in the red zone. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Set us up in the red zone and gave us that field goal to go up. 31, 23, again, another crucial, crucial part of the game. And then kick returns. He had three returns for 121 yards, namely the 98-yard touchdown return that put us up 28-16, our only second half touchdown. And what a return it was. Levi Norwood and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, how his vision as a running back would help him as a returner, and we saw that here. He set up the defense going left. He saw the hole. He made the one cut and he was gone for 98 yards and six points. Ebner was the entire reason that we scored 10 points in the second half. I mean, my goodness, why why again would you even kick to this guy? Isaac Powers, Isaac Powers making his first appearance on the podcast, guys. He had a monster game, four punts. 54 and a half yard average his long was 58 and that 58 yarder, his first punt that forced that Iowa State return man to turn around and run for it okay so really really difficult to field a punt with your back turned to the ball so man you got to give credit to Powers for making it difficult and causing that muffed punt pretty crazy pretty crazy that we did not recover that because there was like six Baylor guys there and only two Cyclones and that ball just just popped out right to the Iowa State guy and this this was right before second half as well so they ended up getting a field goal off of it so we had we recovered you know maybe we don't score but at least they don't score okay so Again, Powers had another punt in the second that made the return guy, again, turn around and run for it. So, man, Isaac Powers, what, well done. And then Hankins, haven't talked much about Hankins either. I am gaining a lot more confidence with Hankins each game. His kicks are looking pretty dang solid. He missed a 40-plus yarder in our first game, but now he's 5 of 6. He banged home a 48-yarder against Kansas that looked real nice, and so... If we can have a guy consistently making 40-plus yarders in college, that becomes a real, real weapon. He is 2-for-3 on 40-plus yarders. Oh, yes, you know what that music means. It is time for the oh-so-good player of the game. And guys, not too difficult for me to pick this week. He's pretty much the whole entire reason we won the game. Treston Ebner doing it in two phases of the game on offense and on special teams. Eight carries, 31 yards. Two catches for 13 yards. A 98-yard kick return for a touchdown. A 41-yard punt return that sets up a field goal. 212 all-purpose yards. And look, there's no doubt he affected the entire game and played well throughout. Why do other teams kick to him? The world may never know. And now, Philip Slavin, of the Ten Twelve Podcast Network. Philip, thanks for joining me. How are you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you
0: today? I am doing well, much better after that big Baylor win this past weekend. And uh, now, Philip, I am a big fan of the 1012 Podcast Network. Um, I'm I'm tuning in every week. And uh, I listen. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I was listening to your newest episode here on my way home. And unfortunately, you were not a a part of it because you were in a wedding for the weekend. So they started out with two questions that really intrigued me. And I wanted to get your thoughts on. who had the most impressive win in the big 12 over the weekend?
2: Um, Well, um, this is going to sound like pandering uh, because I'm sitting here on a Baylor podcast, but I I do think as I I was going through this question in my head, I thought, well, let's see Texas blew out Texas tech, but advanced metrics show it wasn't actually as bad of a blowout as the final score indicates, Uh, you know, OSU getting a win over, over a ranked opponent where they were a dog at home, 31 20, but, it's not a knock on Kansas State, but they were on their third-string quarterback. They've got some injuries. They had, some, I'm, I can't figure out if they are who I thought they were or not. And so it comes to Baylor. Similar situation. Comes into a game. They're a dog. They're at home. They're facing a ranked opponent, a higher-ranked opponent in Iowa State, an Iowa State team who had a lot of aspirations for this season. And Baylor comes out with a win and what was an, an incredibly close game. Like I know that at one point the score was seemed fairly lopsided, but let's let's be honest, mm-hmm. this, this was this was a close game. Um, at the end of this thing, I think Iowa State was still like kind of had expected to win. Yeah. And and they didn't. Um okay. Baylor started strong, three straight scoring drives and then Iowa State kind of shut them down. Like I I know there was one big play and we could talk about you know rushing yards for for carry and yada yada yada. Iowa State's defense did what it did, but you know their special teams. <laughs> Matt Campbell's Achilles heel is the inability. Oh, is, it's just. Cr- sorry. Like I love Iowa State fans. At Duke, I dupe, and I am a Big Twelve fan. And I and I'm trying to not be negative. Like their special teams garbage, and it's bad, and it's still this bad, and it's and it's cost them another game. Is, but all of that said, for Baylor to build that lead and then hang on and win at home, you know stop the two-point conversion play, get the W, I, I think was big for Baylor. So I do think it is a big win. it was a close win. Um, it's a win that we usually see Iowa State win a lot of the times, those close victories. And so I thought that was the biggest win of Saturday.
0: Yeah, and I think you, uh, you might be rubbing off a little bit too much on your cohorts there at 10-12 because they, uh, they had Oklahoma State as uh, their most impressive win. A few of them did. <laughs> um, and now uh, – I, I think they're just down – here's the problem. They're down on Iowa State. And
2: I think that's just kind of like, and for Jamie, she's just sad and Kansas state, you know, we, we were all very impressed by Kansas state. They started three and oh in non-conference, right. you beat Stanford, uh, a good Nevada team, uh, Southern Illinois, who I know is an FCS team, but is expected to be a playoff team. Like they, they beat what was to me the sneaky best non-conference three games slate in the big 12. Like you, we can do, we can talk Texas because they had Arkansas and they had, uh, Louisiana, but Louisiana's not as good as we thought they were. Arkansas was really good, and Texas just curbed, you know, face planted there. Um, like if you go through everyone's non-conference slates, I still think Kansas State had the arguably the best total three games. So they came out of that three games, they were three and zero. They looked good. Yeah, they had some funny points against Southern Illinois, but they lost Skylar Thompson in the middle of the game, I, and it just they felt like that that team. I think nationally, people were like, "No, Kansas State's about to about to have themselves a season, about to." scare everybody and then kansas state was just flat but and look i didn't get to watch every bit of that game and i've rewatched uh, quite a bit of it i mean credit to oklahoma state's defense they played great they shut down the run game for, for kansas state i mean shut it down but they were on their third string quarterback for kansas state and oklahoma state's i just like it was a big win for osu i think baylor had the bigger win because of the expectations for iowa state this season. Um, uh, either way, I mean, those are the two best wins of the
0: weekend by far. For like sure. I, I,
2: like just period. I mean.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, Oklahoma State deserves a ton of credit stopping Deuce Fawn the way they did. Because you think with Kansas State even having a second string, third stringer in there, Deuce Fawn's gonna get his. And he just did not. Um, and now switching to quarterback play in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. This is something else you guys kind of covered. Um, who are your two top two quarterbacks? In the Big 12 right now. So
2: um, I'm sure this is much to, sh- to the uh, chagrin of the Oklahoma student section. <laughs> Spencer Rattler is still one of the better quarterbacks in the Big 12. Like,
1: here's the problem OU fans are spoiled. You've
2: had Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray the one whose name completely just escaped me, who's Jalen hurts Hurts, yep. and have had just this lights out quarterback play year after year, after year, after year. And Spencer Rattler looked really good at the end of last year. Right? So you're like, Oh, Spencer's gonna be awesome. And oh, he's not been very good. He's been a little bit subpar. He's, he's just not, he's just not good. now. he made Caleb Williams in there. And look, to some extent, Rattler does this to himself because I, if you haven't seen any of the video clips of when he was on the, whatever show on Netflix, I, I don't watch it, but I've watched the clips and he doesn't really do himself any favors with his own personality. Um, think, think uh, unlikable Baker Mayfield. Um, yeah. And yeah, I do mean it that way, but he's not bad. He's been good this year. Like he's been a solid quarterback. He's just not as good as Baker was or as Kyler was. And he's also playing behind a not very good offensive line. We expect OU's offensive lines to be just lights out. Reliably year in and year out, awesome. It has not been that this year. They've been they've still been trying to figure out the center position. Losing Creed Humphrey early to the NFL draft, which they did not expect to happen. Losing him early has done harm to this offensive line. I think they finally figured out center and 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 they'll it'll get better as the year goes on, but it's not been a good offensive line. So you combine a subpar offensive line with a guy who's not Kyler Murray. And honestly, some some play calling, which has been conservative and slowed down and you get what you get and all the blame is going to rattler and i think he kind of brings that upon himself to some extent but like i still think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the big 12 he, he just statistically he has been uh, i don't know he, who number two is I, I i i i don't um casey thompson is too small of a sample size to really to really run with um Tyler Thompson's the same way. We're not going to talk to Jason Bean. Um, you can you can put whatever stats you want with with Daigie at me. Mm-hmm. Go ask a West Virginia fan. Like, no, you you yeah. will. West Virginia could win the rest of their games on the schedule. You're never going to convince me. Jared Dagey is 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 good. Um, Shuck was was not bad. Um, he had he been a bit up and down. I'm not trying to pander when I say Jared Buthand's been really good, but part of the problem is competition. I, I think it's probably Bohannon just because Casey Thompson has not played enough stats from enough games for me to be able to say him. I think Rattler's there. I think Bohannon's there. Um, I think Shuck's there. I, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag of, of take who you want. Yeah. Um, I think those are the three best ones. I think Casey Thompson will probably end the season maybe is the best quarterback. Cause he fits what Texas is right now. So well, look out folks. I'm not kidding. Like, Oh, he fits what Texas is, and fits that subpar offensive line that's still trying to get itself figured out. Uh, that the Heat isn't wasn't the start of the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sold on Casey Thompson yet. I think just because, like you said, the sample size is just too small, and uh, I, I have a problem giving it to someone who wasn't able to win their starting job to, to start the year. So,
2: oh, hold on. Let me back up. One okay. One. Yeah. Go um, ahead. Sometimes. It's not always the most talent. It's it's the Batman line that I'm going to flub up again if I try and use (laughs) it. He's the hero we need, but not the one we deserve. Um, Hudson Card, I believe, is the better quarterback when you have a good offensive line. Mm. When you have a subpar offensive line, Casey Thompson is a better fit than what Hudson Card is. And that's the problem Texas had. They picked the better quarterback. They did not pick the better quarterback for their offensive line struggles. That's what showed against Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Texas has got beat to the line of scrimmage on both sides all night long. Mm -hmm. You saw the problems with Texas offensive line. Now, look, they're not going to face as many defensive lines like Arkansas. Oh, he's just good. There's some other solid defensive lines in Big 12. Like, there are. Um, And so Casey Thompson gives them a better chance to win with that offensive line that they have than Hudson Card was. Hudson Card wasn't bad. He is a good quarterback. They made the first mistake by having him name the start at the beginning of the season. They made the second mistake by benching him. I hope that doesn't come back to bite him. But Casey yeah. Thompson is the right fit for this, which is why I think by the end
0: of the season, we are, we're probably going to be looking at Casey Thompson going, that's the best football quarterback in the Big 12. Who is that team that's going to that's gonna make a run with OU? It seemed to be that it was three to nine was up in the air. Now it's it's almost two to nine is up in the air. I mean – who, who is that team not named OU that's going to make a championship run? I mean, I feel like it could be anyone. I mean,
1: it's not Kansas. Um,
2: Texas Tech needs to have a Ted Lasso uh, removing the curse moment in that quarterback Man. locker room because that, they can't keep healthy. I'm going to go ahead and toss them out. After what Cal – offense offenses putrid did to TCU's defense, and then what SMU did to TCU's defense. Like, I know they'll figure some stuff out. I'm going to toss TCU out at this point, too. Um, OU will figure enough things out to get back there. I need one more game from Texas, but I would probably say Texas at this point. As much as I look... When I say we're the podcast, the ten twelve that covers all ten teams, the Big Twelve conference, what I secretly mean is we're the the podcast that covers the other eight teams more than the two everyone <laughs> covers all the stinking time because everyone covers OU in Texas, right. whichever pop or whichever team is trendy to cover, which is why you saw National People only cover Iowa State until once they got good. Um, so, like I don't like if that's the two best teams, the two best teams, and and I kind of go. Who are the two best quarterbacks in the Big 12? Rattler, Thompson, and, and probably Bohannon. There's your, There's probably your, whoever has the best quarterbacks. The quarterback play in the Big 12 is down right now. It's very down. The conference isn't down. The quarterback play is. The defenses are good. The quarterback play is down, and it's hurting the conference offensively. So I think whichever two quarterbacks end up being the best in the Big 12 this year are the two teams that are going to end up in the title game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, would you say the Big 12 is more wide open than it's been in recent years?
2: No, because last year, OU started the season 0 2 in conference play. That was the most wide open. And it didn't happen. And that's kind of my thing. People are like, well, OU look at, I'm like, that's great. They they don't look great. Um, They don't have a conference loss yet. Um, And until they do, it's still gonna be OU's bus to drive. And so, like wide open as in like who the second team to join them is, sure. But until OU loses, it's still OU's game. It's the same thing with like like the ACC is wide open because Clemson has a loss, and that conference looks like like you think the Big 12 looks so far. No. Oh, no. no, 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 no. My goodness. So that bad. <laughs> um, you could argue that the Big Ten looks open, but Despite how bad Ohio State looks on defense, they haven't lost a game in conference play yet. Uh, Pac-12, Oregon's going to – I say this. I need you to understand exactly what I mean by this. Mario Cristobal is Tom Herman and that his teams play up and down to the level of competition. So they're going to drop a game they shouldn't, but they haven't yet. So that one's on, – for it to be truly wide open, then that means – that what to, that, to me, that means we really don't know who's going to win the conference this year. And you can say, "Well, Oklahoma hasn't looked good enough yet." That's fine. They do that a lot early yeah. in the season, and then they get rolling in late October and into November, and then they're invincible. So, until OU suffers a loss or two in conference play, it's not that wide open to me.
0: Yep, yeah, agree. It's going to be for me. It's OU until they show me otherwise. So, yeah. Um, so now, turn our attentions to specifically Baylor, Oklahoma State, and I brought you on. Um, because you're an Oklahoma State guy. You love Oklahoma I State. So I, I, I wanted to get as much info on them as I could. So let's start with Oklahoma State. And in listening to you through the first three weeks of the year, you weren't too impressed with the Cowboys. Um, did this last game change anything for you?
1: Or am yes, I wrong? Have you,
0: or, or was I wrong? Have you, have you been impressed with Oklahoma State? And, and I'm saying it wrong.
2: Defensively. Yeah, um, Oklahoma State's defense has been fantastic. It's gotten the stops when it needed to. And I think some of the times the offense did them so many poor favors, it, it almost made the defense, who already looked good, look worse than they actually are because they had to spend so much time on the on the field. And so you'd see them late in the games, tired, and you'd see Missouri State driving for a, a game-tying touchdown or something. And then they would get the stop. Or with Tulsa, in no situation, because you're in the game and it's like, can can the offense put together more than than four straight three and outs, and can the defense get off the field for a minute? Um, but you go back and look. They made the stops when they needed to against Missouri State, against Tulsa. Shut out Boise State in the second half, right? You get the 21-20 lead, that's it. Uh, against Kansas State, the Kansas State offense scored one touchdown on a weird, fluky, 55-yard, like, short pass to Deuce Vaughn as – like, as Lewis is getting taken to the ground, somehow, like, the ball, like, pops out and ends in Deuce Vaughn's hands, and he runs it for 55 yards for a touchdown. It was, the, it was the flukiest, weirdest, like, all right, well, you get that one. That's the only offensive touchdown. The other touchdown was a special teams touchdown, which is the most Kansas State thing possible. Otherwise, Oklahoma State held him to two field goals. That was it. Um, the defense is legitimate, and it's a weird for me as an Oklahoma State fan who is, <laughs> is a Big 12 fan, period, so used to, like, high scoring affairs Mm
1: -hmm. that
2: the offense had been subpar and look, the offensive line had, they've had to do some work. It's still not there, but it's, it's better than it was week one. Um, Oklahoma state's wide receiving core has been just ravished with injuries. And I know everybody has injuries and I don't like using injuries as an excuse, but when you take usually take nine wide receivers on the road and you only have seven healthy ones to take, then you understand what they're dealing with like decimated. Now, they got Tay Martin, their top target back, against Kansas State. He had nine catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. Heck of a game. Um, they found a running back. They they came into the year, Gundy, you know, we've got four or five guys, we think. They didn't know who the best running back was. Jalen Warren has taken that rock, and he ain't given it back. Um, he's had back-to-back 100-yard games. He's made some nice catches and, and runs for them as well. Brennan Presley is a great, like, two or three punch for them as a receiver. And And as they continue to get healthier on offense, which I hope they do, The offense will continue to get better and we open up the playbook more. Like it was not good offense beginning of the year. And it wasn't just related to injury. I I, I'm I'm not giving them a pass when I literally tracked every second and eight or longer against Tulsa. And it was always a run play. I have problems with some of the things, and some of the excuses are excuses, but they looked better. The offense looked better. It was Spencer's third game of the season. He missed the opener. He looked better. I, I, I am hesitantly optimistic that they have turned a corner on offense. But the defense is, is good. I, I, I'm not concerned with the defense at Oklahoma State. The Big 12 is becoming a defensive league. They're figuring a lot of things out. Uh, Jim Knowles is arguably the most underrated defensive coordinator in the Big 12 because you know, Gary Patterson gets all the credit. Um, oh, my God, I'm so bad with names right now. Iowa State's who I, I, can, I can literally see his face, and I cannot say his name. I'm going to have to Google so much stuff. I'm so dumb right now. Teacock, Heacock. Aha, before I came There you off. go. Thank you. Um, I just had to start typing it in. I was going to show up. Like, I think Jim Knowles is one of the most underrated defensive corners of the Big 12. He doesn't get enough credit for how good a job he has done at like, owning that defense atop, just across the board. So they are still on track for my expectations. They haven't lost a game yet. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, am, I, am, I am more optimistic about them after the Kansas State game they showed some offense than I, I was after the first three weeks.
0: Yeah. I think you guys have finally kind of started to find an identity there. And I think most people thought it was going to be, I think Brown was going to be, you got you, you, your top back and uh, yeah, but Warren, Warren has really come out of nowhere and uh, man, yeah. he's, he's been really good for you guys. And I expect you guys to keep feeding him the rock. Um,
2: I mean, they're gonna, uh, as long as it, it's very much can to be like look he starts fumbling a lot he's not the hot hand they'll ride with somebody else but LD Brown is hurt um we don't know for how long um Desmond Jackson missed the game against Kansas State he's expected back Dominic Richardson's there so they've, they've got a three-man rushing team um Spencer hasn't been running the ball nearly as much as I expected him to which is a whole other issue um but like Warren's been as I have been told like The way Warren is, is you, the more you feed him, the better he is. So
0: they're going to feed him. I believe it. I believe it. Um, And now switching specifically to Baylor. um, You know, I think a lot of people have been higher on Baylor now that they've seen them beat somebody actually. Um, But I mean, what, what has impressed you about Baylor?
2: So the question with the first three weeks is like, you don't want to give anybody too much credit for blowing out subpar competition, right? However, how often do we see good teams not do that, not beat subpar competition, play with their food, so to speak, you know, Texas, that was Texas's whole problem with under under Tom Herman was they played down to competition. So for Baylor to play as well as they did offensively against lower tier teams, especially after how they looked on offense last year, was oh my gosh, a promising sight. But you you wanted to see them, And look, I think the Kansas win was, especially, here's the deal. Uh, making bold, like solid statements about a team after three games in college football, there's only 12 games. That's a quarter of the season. We can make bold statements about things and end You are like, well, it's a little early. We should, no, it's a quarter of the season. <laughs> we should be able to start figuring things out about teams. and And typically to me, week four either confirms our beliefs or puts our belief or or shuts them down right that's what week four week three is is how we took to build to what we believe teams are and then week four oftentimes is that nope this is the reality okay okay and so that's what the iowa state did Win, when did for baylor you know that kansas win you kind of looked and went okay um thought that would be closer than it was and it wasn't Kansas wasn't really in that game at all um they did a better job against Duke and they did a better job against uh, Coastal Carolina. And and Baylor, like Baylor, put the most hurt on Kansas that anyone had at that point. So, considering what they were doing on offense, the defense is playing well. I mean, it was just a little slow against Texas State, which was the first game of the year. And then to, to, to perform the way they did against what is still a good Iowa State team, I know they have two, two losses, it's still a good Iowa State team. Kind of confirms the idea of like, okay, this Baylor team is good. This offense is figuring things out. Now, I, I don't think this is a 4-0 start where I'm like, this is a top 10 Baylor program. Like, no, I think ranked, no. In, ranked 21st feels about right. Um, I did think they'd be ranked higher than, than OSU at this point, but I think, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think OSU is getting more credit for the Baylor, the Boise State and Kansas State win is than, than Baylor is just for beating Iowa State. But... I think it kind of confirms it like this, Baylor, we knew the demons would be good. I still think it is, but they figured out the offensive problems and the offense looks, at least at the beginning of games, when they have something schemed up and planned,
1: they execute it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Who wins? <laughs>
2: um, well, if you ask pessimistic, Philip, uh, Baylor does, because OSU is just... Uh, something bad is going to happen. Uh, one of the, uh, I think it was one of the writers for the Tulsa World just had to point out like, Spencer Sanders has gone back-to-back games as a starter with that, throwing an interception. And it's like, for the first time, and yeah, yeah, and I'm just like, why, why, why? Why why would you <laughs> setting us up. why would you Why would you say that? That's literally like when you're watching a basketball game and it's like, this team's on a 12-0 run. Next opponent scores a basket. And you're like, yeah. thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's what always happens. It's literally how things always work. So. I, I don't know. I don't either. I don't know because let me, let me put it this way: um, I do think Baylor does a really good job of scheming their offense and has really good plays at the beginning of the game. And we have seen Oklahoma State be susceptible on defense at the start of the game. Boise um, State got really hot; that's how they built their twenty to seven lead. Um, and then Oklahoma State shut it down. And then Kansas State had their opening drive go all the way down. They got a fourth, you know, got a fourth down. Then they held to a field goal, and then it was pretty much it was it was done um osu is going to come in with a game plan and if it doesn't work that's fine they're going to figure out how to adjust to it jim Knowles doesn't and thus far through four games done an an incredible job of adjusting to what defense or what offenses are doing and stopping it um i i I feel like this is a game where baylor is going to score early um OSU has struggled. I mean, literally has back-to-back games where they didn't score in the second half. Um this one almost makes me feel like it might be similar to the Iowa State game, in which Baylor gets some points early. Um, OSU gets some points late in the second in the second quarter. Um, and then we see a pretty not much happening offensively, low scoring second half. Um, and I and I get a weird like whoever leads at halftime wins this
1: game. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't know why, but that's kind of how it feels.
2: Because I don't – I don't uh, – literally, oh, my it has gone back-to-back games, that's going to point in the second half. Yeah, like, yeah. that'll stop at some point. Um, they'll get something going in the second half, but it does kind of feel like a – it does feel like a whoever wins the first half might just win the game because it might go into just like all right let's play defense um yeah, yeah. i i have a hard time seeing any team get either team getting blown out um i think it's a lower scoring affair i think that's just kind of how the big 12 is this year
1: yeah um so yeah i i i, I
2: think okay i think Baylor wins this game And let me play the weird college sports fan who's set aside fandom towards a certain team or analyst or anything. And let me just play the weird voodoo looking (laughs) ahead at things, college football mindset that I like to get sometimes because I'm weird like that. Yes. Yes. Um, I love it. Baylor has two more games before they face off against BYU. Baylor is currently undefeated BYU is currently undefeated and has Utah State and Boise State. Two teams who are good, solid teams. Um, but I feel like BYU had their like kind of kind of let down game against South Florida, um, which they almost blew and I mm-hmm. think that kind of woke them up a little bit and they'll be better prepared for a solid Utah State program and a solid Boise State. I feel like this is a up for a 6-0 BYU versus a 6-0 Baylor in a in a big showdown with like I don't know who else is on that day, but like game day showing up, the big future, big 12 preview. Like I just, that feels like something that's coming. Um, there's a weird like destiny feel to that. That's coming <laughs> down the pipe. So I'm going to pick by Baylor to win. And that's the only reason. And it's not, that's not an Love insult it. or a shot at Baylor. No, no. Like I Baylor can win this game. Oklahoma state can win this game. I agree. And I could give you, like, well, Jerry Bahannon, I think, is playing really, really well, and Baylor's offensive line is playing good, and the D- – uh, I kind of think it's because BYU and Baylor are supposed to meet in some weird, biblical, like, undefeated 6-0 <laughs> matchup. Yes, the Mormons versus the,
0: versus the Baptists, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> A little uh, future Big 12 matchup there. So that, that – uh, And that's the – yes, yes. It, and, yeah. and that's another reason why I think that game day – I mean, if, if we're both undefeated, I think that is another reason game day might – might end up in Waco just to preview that that future big 12 matchup. And, and I I've looked ahead to that weekend. And I think that would be one of the only top 25 matchups that weekend. So the stars might be aligning.
2: I I am intrigued by this. Um, There was a strength on what I thought was kind of a weakness matchup last week with Kansas state and Oklahoma state. Kansas state's rushing defense was lights out and OSU pounded, just pounded them. Um, this week, we've got an Oklahoma State defense who's allowing just 87 yards per game on the ground and a Baylor team who's averaging 272 yards on the ground. It's been a, a solid rushing team. I was going to write about that for Lang a gauntlet about how Baylor went from, like, uh, 90. To la- from last? Fifth Baylor to was last. 120,
1: 126
2: in rushing yards per game as a team in 2020. Um, they were fifth. I haven't checked since, since the Iowa State game. After the first three games, they were fifth they've went from fifth last to fifth first in 2 years. They scored eight rushing touchdowns total in 2020. Through three games they had seven this year. So, like complete turnaround from a rushing standpoint. But it is an OSU team who does a pretty good job against rushing. Like the line the linebackers for Oklahoma state are really good. Their strength lies in run blocking. So, I there's a strength on strength matchup, which are always the things I like to keep an eye on because those are always very interesting is, is which, which one is going to, is going to break. Is it going to be the defense or the offense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's a fantastic point. And I'm excited to see how our rush attack lines up against Oklahoma state. You know, we showed that we could move the ball against a good defense in the first half. We've got to show Baylor that we can do it for 60 minutes and we're going to have another big task this time on the road against Oklahoma state. And so I kind of expect you guys to be able to stop us on the run. And I expect you guys to, to make Gary Bohannon go out there and, and beat you with his arm. And if he does, then, then so be it. That's, that's kind of the way I'm heading. And like you said, I don't think anyone gets blown out. I don't think it's a two possession. I think it's a one possession game. And I I mean, it's going to come down to the wire. It's going to be one possession, come down to the wire. And I could see either Baylor or Oklahoma state pulling it out. So yeah, I think, I think we're pretty close on that. Um, and now, Phil,
2: Let me so ask you, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how excited are you for RG three to be on the call for this
0: game? Oh on man. So, so excited. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot to mention that in, in the episode. And so, so dude, we, I mean, he's got a statue out, man. So, you know, we love some RG three and he has been, he's been fantastic in the games that he's called already. And so I'm excited to hear all of his thoughts on Baylor, not only this year, but really where we've come as a program since he left. He hasn't really been able to talk about that much. And so I'm excited to see him get in the booth and just talk about our team now. And I really want to see him break down Gary Bohannon and how well Gary Bohannon's playing at quarterback because we haven't had a guy since RG3 that's able to read defenses like Bohannon is right now and, and be able to step up in a pocket and look a safety off and, and make a tight window throw. Um, we really have not seen somebody go through progressions like that since Robert. And so I, I'm, I'm pretty pumped to see what he's going to have to say about Gary Bohannon.
2: I'm curious if he's feeling a little bit nervous coming back to the House of Horrors that is still water for
0: him. Oh, man. It's it's the house of horrors for every Baylor quarterback. Stillwater is man. We never play well up there ever. I was uh, what was it, 2013, when uh, I was at that game when you guys absolutely spanked us, spanked us, and that was our uh, we were going to the playoff that year, man, and y'all ruined it. Y'all ruined
2: it. That was pre pre playoff. That was pre playoff. Was it pre
0: playoff? Um, Okay. okay. Yeah. we were national championship bound that's how, how the whole fan base felt, and you guys ruined it. so and I was right there on the goal line, three, 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 three rows up, freezing my butt off, and it was the um, best worst experience of uh, of my college football career.
2: the only so tale of two cities then, uh, the only Oklahoma State loss I have physically attended was 2015 OSU Baylor in a similar freezing cold game. Granted, that 2015 Oklahoma State team that started 10-0 was the, just the most just like this. I don't know how this team is 10-0. I'll, I'll never <laughs> understand that team to the day I die. Um, however, I was at the 2011 Oklahoma State Baylor game, uh, which was the true RG3 uh, ta- Tale of Terror, which was, um, let me just say, as, as, as a fan who was at that game, I, I always remember that game quite thoroughly. Oh. Uh, or as I like to call it, the game that Heisman voters didn't actually watch. Um, <laughs>
0: they crossed that one off.
2: They're just like, no, there was no game in Stillwater. He that didn't, didn't happen. He didn't play. He didn't throw a hissy fit because nope. things weren't going his way. <laughs> Sorry, look, I, 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 I know you all love him. I'm not. I'm not the biggest RG three fan, but and yeah, that's, that's totally fine. fine.
0: You don't have to be. We're not asking you to be Philip. <laughs> no. Um, no well uh well hey thank, thanks for coming on and now the 1012 podcast network you guys are still adding on podcasts now aren't you
2: uh that is a plan um at the moment uh thank you for that little plug and intro for sure. 1012 network is uh is we started with just my show it's the 1012 podcast we've been rolling about three years now uh, as i said we are the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the big 12 conference no i don't know what we're gonna do about the name once we have 12 teams in the conference or 14 or however many it's gonna end up at i will deal with that with the time i like it um Launched the network like two weeks after the realignment news came out, which was which oh, is really like a double edged sort of like oh, we getting so much attention, but at the same time like <laughs> well this is weird. But well, I'm, like I'm very glad the conference is staying together because this means I don't have to blow the whole thing up. Yeah. And also like I'm a fan of the Big Twelve, even if there will only be four Big Eight schools still remaining, at least the Big Twelve is still here and and looks just like it's going to be a viable college football conference if not one of the still one of the best it will still be the best statistically like college basketball men's oh basketball yeah conference oh yeah Ken Palm for that um yes at the moment we have six shows we have my show uh which is the 10-12 which covers the whole conference we have a, a big 12 men's and bas- women's basketball show called the Midwest Madness hosted by Christine Butterfield which is um she's been getting some great guests on there she actually had uh Baylor's women's head coach um, yes Nikki um Nikki Collins Thank you. Ann, that was one of That was her first uh, big guest on the show. that was a great interview for her. Uh, we have a Kansas show called Rock Shock Podcast, who, if you listen to my show, Andy Mitts hosts it. Um, we do have a Texas show called "Fire the Cannon." Uh, it's fantastic. The, the girls who host that show are amazing. They are wonderful, um, and they are, yes, they are Texas fans, they're a little bit biased. They're also really good at being um, critical. And 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 fair about things, so I I, I really love them. It's why we brought them on. Uh, we have the raspy voice kid which is our West Virginia show. It's a riot. It's awesome. uh Brandon and Jeremy are fantastic. And their show has like a pop culture segment at the beginning and a, and a few other things that aren't just specifically West Virginia related, which is really good. Uh, cool. And we have a TCU show called the Funky Frog Pod, uh, which is hosted by Melissa Trebawser and Colin Post. Uh, they do that weekly. It's a it's a really good show. um And yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be adding more shows. We're working on it. Um, we were going to. We we're going to try and get all the teams currently in the conference, and I will add shows for the new teams coming before they get here because there's no reason to wait.
0: Great, hey, that's great. I have certainly enjoyed following the pod and the network. You guys keep it up over there, and uh, guys, if you are a Big Twelve sports fan in general, you have got to listen to the Ten Twelve. It's fantastic, Philip. We appreciate you being here.
2: Travis, man, anytime, bud. Just let me know.
0: We are going to skip a deep dive into the Oklahoma State scout. So We're going to go right into Bear Necessities.
1: And now the Bear Necessities.
0: All right, Bear Necessities. What does Baylor have to do to win this weekend? First thing, we gotta contain Sanders. I mean, similar to what we did with Purdy, we've gotta contain him and make him throw. He is much more of a dynamic runner than Purdy is. We did okay with Purdy, not letting him get out with his legs, but he was able to extend some plays. Also, when we got to Purdy, we didn't finish. So, if we're gonna contain Sanders, we've got to get to him and we've got to finish. Secondly, and this one's about us, it's fundamentals and taking care of the ball. Last weekend, nine penalties for 100 yards. That is unacceptable. We've got to clean that up. That was a big reason why Iowa State was able to score on them, score on us, just giving them free yards, drive after drive after drive. We've also got to tackle better, something I just talked about. We've got to finish when we get to Spencer Sanders, but we've also got to finish on their running back. He is a bowling ball at 5'8", 215. He's going to be extremely hard to tackle, so we've got to tackle and finish better better and then finally it's just no turnovers guys the ball security has been one of our biggest no-nos this year and we've seen it from multiple different people on the offense so as a group we collectively just need to take care of the ball and look if we do these things I think we win game prediction yes what is your game prediction i will tell you right now you all know how scotty and i feel about playing in Stillwater. we hate it and we've talked about it at length on this podcast so we won't do that again but when i saw that this was a night game and a ranked matchup my immediate thought was we're doomed but to be honest, I haven't felt as confident about a Baylor team heading into Stillwater since, well, I mean maybe not ever, actually. Um but man, this season is lining up with our 2019 season more and more each week. I mean, think about it. 2019, we had a week 4 win against Iowa State at home by 2 points. It's exactly what happened this year. And then a few weeks later, we got out of Stillwater with a win there in 2019. Also, similarly, this was the game Terrell Bernard had his coming out party filling in for Clay Johnston. Eerily, Bernard is going to be the one replaced by injury this week. And look, I had us losing this game to start the year, and I usually do a good job of sticking with my picks. But... I have not been impressed with Oklahoma State offensively. I expected Sanders to take a bigger jump than he has, and their offensive line has not looked great. They, though, have found a bright spot in running back Jalen Warren, but I think we can stop him. Defensively, they are going to get after us. Press man coverage, they're going to blitz. There's going to be zero blitzes, which means each person is one-on-one, manned up, with no safety help. And so I think they try to let Gary Bohannon beat them with his arm. He's shown he can make the throws into tight windows and into coverage, and he's going to need to do that more than ever this weekend. I do have confidence that he will do it. And I'm not about to say that we're going to go up there and win convincingly like we did in 2019. We have looked better, though, than we thought. And Oklahoma, they're just, I think, finally starting to find an identity. So this should be another hard-fought game. Ends within one possession. But I'm going with the Baylor Bears, 34-28. to 28. Big 12 roundup. Last week, I went 3-1. Pretty good showing. Only thing I'm upset about, the game that I hammered, and I was most confident on, was Kansas State plus six. And that's the game I lost. Oklahoma State won 31-20. But starting the year off right with three and one, and we have a full slate of Big 12 games. That's right, we've got five Big 12 games this weekend. And of course, we'll kick it off with our game. Baylor visiting Oklahoma State. Baylor is getting three and a half points. Give me Baylor. Texas is visiting TCU. As good as everyone wants to talk about how good Texas is looking, they always have trouble against TCU. They're playing in Fort Worth. TCU is getting points. So I'm going to take TCU plus four and a half. I think they show up. OU visits Kansas State. Kansas State is getting ten and a half points, and I don't see it. I think OU wins by 11 or more. Tech is visiting West Virginia. And man, I am very, very impressed with this West Virginia team. Do not be shocked if maybe they're a team near the end of the year pushing for a Big 12 championship appearance. West Virginia minus seven points, and that's who I am taking. On the flip side of that, I don't think Tech is very good this year. Kansas is visiting Iowa State. Iowa State minus 34 points. That is a lot of points but they've got some anger to get out after this past weekend. Give me Iowa State minus 34. Thanks again for bearing with me this week. We shouldn't expect anything less than a very competitive game here in Stillwater coming up this weekend. A ranked matchup. I mean, who would have thought we'd be here talking about a ranked matchup? in week five. That's wild. And I really don't care that we're ranked 21st. I don't think rankings matter that much until you get into weeks seven, eight, nine, and then they start to kinda be more accurate and shake down a little bit better than what they look right now. So hey, yeah, we're ranked 21st in the country, but it doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't It doesn't say much to me, to be quite honest. Thanks to Philip Slavin for coming on. I, I am a big fan of the 1012 Podcast Network, so if, if you haven't checked that out yet, you should. It's, it's some really good stuff. And Philip, thanks for coming on and giving us some insight into Oklahoma State and hopefully made us feel a little bit better about playing up there. And if he didn't, oh well, sorry for you. That's all I've got this week. If you're traveling up to Stillwater, be safe. And sick and Bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley, in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.